today is all about I love, hate you, I hate, love you, whatever, whatever order you want to put this in. And this is the conclusion, and it has been a, it's been a doozy to get through. It, it has, because uh, Pastor Andrew told me this week, he's like, I'm glad this one is ending. <laughs> Why? Because when you start talking about the love of God and how that's supposed to translate through our lives, man, that challenges you on levels that you didn't know it would challenge you because it's, it's easy to say, oh, man, I love everybody. Let's sing Kumbaya and, and get in a circle and hold hands. That's easy to say. But when you start talking about the love of God and how he loves us and how we're supposed to love because of him, that changes things. And, and we, we've, we've seen how that changed. We started, it's, it's in 1 Corinthians 13. His, his, his hashtag is pound 1C13. Is that it? I get confused. Pound 1C13, because that's the, that's the chapter that, that describes this. And it's, it starts without, about saying the importance of love. And then it says what happens, and this has been the flow of the series, what happens if we don't have love and do these things that we just get religion. And it gets empty and hollow and, and, and brings up some, what can be ugly or nasty things inside of us. And then last week, what is love? You know, what are the, what are the qualities and the attributes of love and how does that look? In our life, and the question that's been asked over and over, what does love require of me? Love required Jesus to go to the cross, and we just celebrated that. What does love require of me in my life? And a lot of times, it's much more than we want to give, right? So let's go back to Dr. King. I've decided to stick to love. I've decided to stick to love because hate is too great a burden to bear. I choose love. I choose love. And this week we're going to wrap up with a couple more verses from 1 Corinthians 13. He's letting us know the importance and the value of love. And Pastor Andrew stopped mainly with verse 7 last week. We're going to pick up with verse 8 this week. Love never. Everybody say never. You won't hear a lot of absolutes from here. But when it comes to what Jesus did for us and, and his love... Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So this is in response to verses 1 to 3 that Paul wrote earlier. He's letting us know that all those things that he's talked about in verse, verses 1 through 3, that will all pass away. It will eventually go away. It will be gone. But the spirit with which they were done will not it will never pass away because love never fails. Love never ends. And love wins every single time. Even when it's not convenient, love wins. Even when it's not in style, love wins. Even when you want your pound of flesh, love wins. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You may not understand pound of flesh. When you want your revenge... How about that? When you want your revenge, love wins. When you want your righteous indignation to speak out and for everybody to see how right you, how, just how right that you are, love wins. The high road is always the right road. <laughs> the high road is always the right road, and love always wins. It transcends everything. It's all about love. After the realization after the process, after becoming, what Pastor Andrew talked about, after becoming known as a follower of Christ and known for love, known for our love, known for the love of Christ, Paul finishes the chapter in verse 13 with this. 
And now these three remain. If you can't tell, if you haven't been here for the last three weeks, you're kind of behind a curve a little bit. So you have to go back and watch these or listen to them or something or just be here all the time. Um, <laughs> so verse 13, and now these three remain. After all this, all said and done, it's all done, we're over, we're finished, all three remain, these three. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is what lasts. This is what endures. This is what is left. At the end of the day, I have faith in my creator. I have hope for the future that he promised me and the love that he demonstrated. But the greatest of all of this is love. And as Paul's penning these words, he's, he's just simply echoing what Jesus said. He's not, that's nothing new. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And he's just, he's just repeating and echoing what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. We, we quote this, and, and we're going to read it today. A Pharisee was asking Jesus this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Verse 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's easy to say, I love God. Because you don't see him. He doesn't walk around in shoes with you. It's easy to say, I love God. But there's always this thing, this string that Jesus pulls. This thing that he says that always kind of smacks us right in the face. Who's been hitting the nose before? It rocks your world, man. It may not be a hard hit, but your eyes water. You lose concentration. You don't know really what's going on, which way is which. Sometimes you just lose everything for a minute because it hurts to get hit in the nose. Sometimes it's what Jesus' teaching does to us because then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words... Everything you know about your relationship with God, everything you've been taught in Sunday school or nothing, anything you know about God, anything you know about living for God, walking with God, anything about that at all, it all hangs on these two things. Loving God, not just loving God, how? With all your heart, with all your soul. I'm about to start dancing up here. That was awesome. You have to love God. You got to go with it. Come on. You got to love God how? With everything, all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then you have to love your neighbor as yourself. And according to Mr. Rogers, everybody's our neighbor. It doesn't matter who the person is. Guess what they are? They are your neighbor. So the person that irritates you the most, the person that cuts you off in traffic, instead of flipping them off, you should pray for them. Because they're your neighbor in traffic right that moment. They're your neighbor. And the Bible says loving them as yourself is as important as loving God. And as you know, everybody has people in your life. It's hard to love them. The Bible says that we're supposed to pray for the people that use us. 
Well, let me, let me, I'll back up. King James says, pray for the people who spitefully use you. Who's got somebody like that in your life? Yeah, a couple of brave hands went up in the air. If you don't have someone like that in your life right now, you've had someone like that in your life, I promise you. Someone that takes advantage of you, someone that uses you, someone that talks about you, that can't wait to bury the, their, their knife to the hilt between your shoulder blades. The person that doesn't just take advantage of you sometimes or, or somehow seem to get the better end of the deal all the time, right? We know people like this, but it's the person that spitefully uses you, that, that finds that one nerve that they can, that they can dig up and expose, and that, and that thing they keep doing that exposes that nerve, but that's not good enough. Then they want to dance on that nerve. That's the person. They're your neighbor. You see why we're glad this one's over? Because next month we're going to talk about worship. We're going to lighten the load a little bit. <laughs> Let's just dance and praise and worship. Come on. This is, this is difficult stuff. I'm supposed to love that person. Why am I, why am I spending time here? I got to hurry because communion took a minute. It's good. But why am I spending time here? Because it's easy to love the person that loves you. It's easy to declare your dedication, your devotion, your love for someone that lifts you up, that speaks words of life into you. Those are the people that are, it's easy to love them, the low-maintenance crowd. You know, they're in your life, and, and they're fun to be around, and they speak kind words to you, and they lift you up, they send you a card, and all, the, all these things that make you feel warm and fuzzy, man, they're so easy to love. We want to be around them. We want to get close to them, rub shoulders with them, let them tell us how good we are, and, and fill our love tank. Those are the people that are easy to love. And man, when we're talking about this scripture, I got one C13 all over you, baby. Because you're easy. But not everybody in your life is easy. But they're still your neighbor. They're still your person. They're still someone that you have to love as you love Jesus. Because it's not, I mean, it's, it's showing God's love to love people that are easy to love but you are really showing the fruit of the Spirit. You're really showing the love of Christ when you love someone that's difficult to love. When you're hugging on that porcupine. <laughs> Y'all know. When you're hugging that porcupine and, you're, and you're, doing, you're doing the will of God, you're loving that person that's hard to love, you're doing that person that snubs you, that turns their back on you, that, that gets these little digs in when you're having a conversation. They're just digging that passive-aggressive mess that none of us want to deal with. Passive-aggressiveness passive is one of the hardest things for me to deal with. Because if, you, if you're mad at me, tell me. If you got a problem with how I'm doing something, tell me. Don't just get these little jabs and digs in, man. But I still love you. <laughs> but let's do better. Let's just be, let's just be real. If you read a couple of verses up from this, you're going to find out that the Pharisees were, they were strategizing against Jesus. They, they didn't ask these questions from pure motives. They didn't ask these questions because they wanted to know exactly what the deal was. They were trying to trip Jesus up. Why? Because he was their kryptonite. 
They had this whole religious system built where they were, man, they were, they were the, the, the grand poopa. They were the kings of the world. They had, they had the money coming in. They had the situation all set up. Not only did they have the law of Moses, they had, they had instituted over 600 what they call fence laws around that law. So if you can't work on the Sabbath, if, if you can't work on the Sabbath, that means you can't even pick up a broom in your house to move it because then you might be tempted to work. So the fence law was, the law is not to work on the Sabbath. The fence law is don't even touch the broom. They had perfected and, and monkeyed with the law so much that they had ridiculous stuff like that. And, and he was their kryptonite because he was kind of, he wasn't abolishing it. He was fulfilling all of it. And he was changing the game as they knew it. So they were trying to trap him. And Paul is just echoing what Jesus said that the greatest thing that we can do is love. The greatest thing we can do is love. At the end of the day, it's all about love. When we love, we are most like Jesus. You trying to be a Christian? Love. Because that's when you're most like Jesus. You want to be a Christ follower? You want to be the image bearer that you were created to be? Love. Stop with religious foolishness. Yeah, I said it. Religion stinks. I said that too. <laughs> Let's have prayer and go home. No, it's not about religion. It's about the love of Christ and us showing people Jesus' love as he's loved. It's the hardest thing for us to do, but it's the most important. Love was modeled in the highest form when we read John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son. Why? So we could have eternal life. God loved, he gave. Jesus came as the baby, Emmanuel. What's it mean? God, how? With us. He grew up and he died for us. That's why we just did this. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. No greater love than what Jesus modeled for us. Nothing. That's what we celebrated today. And Jesus said himself, As often as you do this, remember me. Celebrate love. Model love. Having a conversation with Pastor Andy this week, I think on Wednesday, we're talking about churches that we, back growing up, we heard churches criticized. All they do is talk about love. It's a love fest over there. I've heard those words said about a church. There we go again. I'm about to dance. It's a love fest. All they do is talk about love. It's one of those love churches. I've heard those words said before. There's nothing more important nor anything more difficult than being a church that is solely focused on love. Jesus said it was the single greatest thing that we could focus on. He said it was the most important thing that we could do. It is the most important commandment. It is the greatest thing. Why? Because it endures. And why else? Because everything else flows from it. All the law, the King James says, all the law and the prophets... In other words, everything you've ever heard about religion or God or anything, everything hangs and flows from love. If love is in place, everything else falls into place. If love is in place, you don't have to worry about priorities. If love is in place, you won't have sin issues. 
You still have to deal with temptation, obviously, as this is life. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. We deal with it. We, we get through it. We move on. If love is in place, there's no contention because our attitudes are right. If love is in place, there's community, there's care, there's common concern. It's all about love. It doesn't mean you won't have issues. It means it will be taken care of because if we're loving like Jesus commanded us to love, then we're seeking him. We're getting in his word. We're living a life that glorifies him. And as we walk with him and he speaks to us, our life changes. The closer we get to Jesus, the more our life changes. You'll find out stuff you're doing that, that maybe you shouldn't do, that you didn't know that you shouldn't do. Just simply because of your relationship with Jesus. Because you're loving him like we're supposed to love him. If we're loving each other like we're supposed to love each other, we won't have a lot of the issues as humans that we have because the love of Christ will be flowing from us. And if, if that's being reciprocated, man, that's just like, that is the kumbaya moment. Because we're focused on the right things. Our priorities are where they're supposed to be. We're doing what we're supposed to do. So why love hate? Because our enemy would like nothing more than, than for us to focus our, our, our attention on contentious, dry, dead religion. Just go through the motions. Just come to church and make yourself feel better on Sunday and then live however you want, whatever makes you happy, whatever feels good and seems right to you. Live that way Monday through Saturday. But God's word tells us not to lean on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge who? Acknowledge him, and he directs our path. Not my understanding of what makes me feel good and what I want. What does he say? What does his word say? And you can't, you can't take somebody that's, that's just coming to know Jesus and pour, like, cram all this down their throat. It, it won't work. Our relationship grows it grows organically. It grows in a way that, that we change a little bit every single day to mirror the reflection that we're supposed to be of Jesus Christ. Satan would like us to focus on who sacrifices better, Cain and Abel. Who is more holy? Who's going to stand here and say the best prayers? The publican. Thank you, God, that I'm not like this person, this lowly person, this idiot, this poor loser. That's a passage in the Bible. I, I paraphrase just a tad. But there are actually two dudes praying together. And the guy that was humble and praying and coming from the right place is, is, is thanking God. God, I'm not worthy for what, I'm not worthy of this. And the, the religious dude is like, mm, thank you, Father, that I am not like thee thou sinners, whatever old English is. I'm not like this poor tramp on the floor. This poor schmuck, this poor loser, I'm not like him. Thank you that I'm better. That's what religion gets you. And that's why we're kind of coming out against it. Who can obtain the highest position? I want this position or I want this position. It's all about your, your ego at that point. Who can be the favorite? Who can have the most? Who gets the most credit? That's religion. But we choose love because hate is too great a burden to bear. Religion is too great a burden to bear. It's too much trouble, man, to worry about who's the best, who's got the most, who can pray the best, who sings the loudest, all that kind of junk. No. It's too great a burden. Love Jesus. Love people. And everything else flows from that. 
Love is the most important. It's the greatest of everything. Love wins, and I choose love. What an amazing time our communion services are. We're, that's, that's choosing love. We're celebrating the love that Jesus had for us. We're grateful for his sacrifice. But we also celebrate and remember that love that he had for us by loving other people. We experience it now. Let's model it. And when we realize the strategy of our enemy to get us focused on other things, it's then that we can defeat him in our lives. We can choose love and we can kick hate to the curb. Choose love and turn your back on religion. I read this week that some... That I, I, I think it was CNN, I don't know. I read this week that some believe that this presidential election is, is, is going to be decided by hate. They said those words. This election will be decided by hate. And I don't want to hear your opinions. We have people all over the spectrum. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. What matters is this. That's all wrong. Hate is wrong on any level. And let's go back to the, our, our old standby, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, hate's too great a burden to bear. I choose love. I choose love. When you let God change the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't fall into the trap of hate. Don't fall into the trap of religion and contention. It comes in different forms. We're called to be salt and light to this world. And the world needs to see Jesus. Let's, let's talk about this for just, just one statement. The world needs to see Jesus in you and your love for them. More. Everybody say more. more. More than they need to know your politics and who you're voting for. Let's just put that out there. This world is not my home. That's an old song. I'm just passing through. Presidents are going to come and go. If you don't like this one, wait four years, you'll get a new one. Or eight. It doesn't matter. It does not matter because my real home is where? It's in heaven. And I'm following Jesus through this one. And I'm going to love as much as I can love. Go vote. It's your, it's, it's your constitutional duty to go vote. Vote for who you like best. Vote for who holds your values closer. Vote for who will defend your values more. But if somebody knows your politics before they know your love... You're doing something wrong. We're getting ready to get in this hot season, man. It's coming. Between now and November, it's stupid season. Don't be stupid with them. We love. The greatest two things we do, we love God and we love people and we show the world our love. Let's stand together. Kick hate to the curb. Choose love every single time. At the end of the day, I have faith in my creator. What did Paul say? These three, after everything is boiled down, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. I have faith in my creator. He made me. He's got me where I am. He's going to get me through. I have hope in the hope that he gave me, that he's gone to prepare a place for me, that where he is, I may be also. That's the great, that's, that's the great hope. That is the hope.
But I have love. And that's the greatest of these. Why? Because that's the tool I use right now to get closer to my creator, to better be a, a, a mirror or an image of, him, of his likeness. But it's also the tool I use to show somebody else that's far from God that he loves them no matter where they are, no matter what condition they are in, no matter what they've done, no matter how far they think they are from God or how unforgivable they feel like they are or no matter how badly society has rejected them or pushed them away, they are who Jesus died for. It's easy to love the easy ones, man. It's harder to love the ones that are more challenging. All we're called to do is love, not decide who gets love. Amen. It's a good day. We're alive, the sun is shining, and God is good. Amen. Hug somebody's neck. Tell them that what? I love you. Amen. It's been a good series. I'm glad you've been here today. Give somebody some love. Show them the love of Jesus today and every single day. God bless y'all. Have an awesome week.